0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. This is Damon, and I got Kyle and Brett with me today. And we're excited to kick off this new sermon series on Elijah the prophet. And Pastor Barry kicked it off with a great message this past Sunday, talking about how Elijah shows us an example of how to stand firm in our faith amidst a worldly culture. And I just really feel like that's the season that we're in as a church and as people right now. It's just... Our culture is going in a certain direction and God is calling us to stand firm in our faith. So one of the things that we've been talking about uh, as a group and as a, a church is what does that actually look like? And I think that's where Pastor Barry really kind of tried to flesh it out. And one of the videos that he showed was a video of a bunch of salmon swimming upstream. And sometimes it might feel like that, that we as believers are swimming upstream against, against a current but really, that's who God is calling us to be as Jesus's disciples. So I wanted to start this episode off. Uh, Kyle, do you want to share anything that stood out to you from Pastor Barry's sermon this past Sunday?
1: Well, I'll, I'll share one thing. Um, it's the I, I've been seeing Romans 12, 1 and 2 just kind of keep coming up, um, and that's... Do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I've seen it in several things, and I know Pastor Ross brought it up yesterday in a meeting too. And um, that just brought me back to last last year we did our biblical worldview class, and that was like our main theme. And I'm just seeing that come back around, like us being able to um, stand firm against culture. Um, really, it's we have that choice: are we going to be conformed to the world, or are we going to be transformed? by God renewing our mind. And so that's one thing I think I've just seen that uh, pop up. So I feel like God's trying to highlight that. Um, Did you have something else in mind or do you want to go to Brett?
0: Well, I would have gone to Brett earlier, but I know he wasn't in service this past Sunday. So
2: (laughs) I wasn't, I've only gotten recaps and I'm still behind on listening to all the messages that I, that I miss because um, I'm teaching my own lesson. There you go. But, um, I think just this subject and in the meetings that we've talked about, um, it's just been so relevant, I think, and it's been pressed upon my heart personally too. And so I'm excited for this series, and um, I'm glad that it's being addressed. Mm. I think sometimes this can be just talked about, but for it to be addressed, and especially for Pastor Barry to um, want to have this as a series for a sermon, I feel like um, I'm really proud and glad that, It's something that obviously he cares for the church, right? And so um, it's just something to to grow our awareness and to give us confidence and empower us. So
1: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. I I know when, Damon, you and I were just talking uh, as we were kind of prepping for this, um, there was the the parable of the ten virgins was kind of brought to your mind, and you had heard it kind of— Kind of just like somebody personally relaying that story to themselves, and I thought you could share that. But um, for the listeners, how about I just read that uh, a second?
0: Yeah, I think that would be good, especially because I think this uh, story is actually one of the ones that's a little bit lesser known that mm-hmm. Jesus told. And so when Pastor Barry had mentioned it, I thought it would be good for us to talk about that a little bit on the episode just to give people more awareness of what the reference to the midnight cry that he talked about was from. And so this is from Matthew chapter 25.
1: Yep. So we got, uh, starting on verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know for you know neither the day nor the hour. So I, I know for you that was that, that midnight cry portion of that was something that stood out to you, right?
0: Yeah, so I was in a meeting before, and this was years ago, where the pastor that was sharing, he was talking about this story, and he, he said he'd heard it many, many times. And a lot of times when he'd heard it and people talked about it, they were focusing on, you know, being like one of the wise virgins, right? Or bridesmaids, I think, in some versions, it Mm -hmm. says. So uh, he was. a lot of times when people would talk about that, they would say, you need to be like the wise ones and be prepared and have your oil ready so that when the groom comes, you know, when Jesus comes back, we're ready to go. We're Mm -hmm. ready to go with him. Um, But one of the things that he said stood out to him for the first time as he was reading it was, The midnight cry, the person that said, wake up, the bridegroom is coming. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out to him uh, because he was like, who is that? Someone had to be awake this whole time to be able to recognize when the bridegroom was coming Mm -hmm. so he could alert everyone else and wake them all up Mm -hmm. because for some reason they were all sleeping. right?" And so really that stood out to me is that there was someone that was awake that said, hey, the bridegroom is coming. And I feel like, and, and that, for that for that pastor, he've, he he kind of mm-hmm. took that for himself. as Yeah, it? he took that as part of his mission is to help to wake wake up the church and wake up people to say, "Hey, Jesus is coming soon. Look at the signs, and let's be ready for him when he comes." And so, you know, as when Pastor Barry had mentioned that uh, as part of his sermon, I really felt like that was part of a call for us as as catalyst and as Catalyst family that. Either if, for those of us that are not awake, it's time to wake up, or some of us might be part of that midnight cry to help wake everyone else mm-hmm. up too. Mm-hmm. But to recognize Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Are we ready? Let's get ready. Let's prepare ourselves so that when he comes, we're ready to go with him to the party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're looking at each other. Who's going next? Uh, no, I think that that's a good word. I, I like, I do like how you differentiated that uh, for us, list, the listeners right now, there's some of us are probably part of those people that could be the, uh, crying out, like, wake up people. Let's go. Come on. Like God's going to be here soon. And, um, and that's part of your role. And for others, we might be asleep and that being asleep isn't necessarily bad or evil because there's the ones that were prepared fell asleep, but then the ones that weren't prepared also fell asleep. Mm. So the ones that were prepared, f- for some reason, they became drowsy. It says they became drowsy and they fell asleep. But I think part of that is their their heart. They were prepared, so then their heart, when they heard that cry, they they knew to how to respond and they knew to wake up. So, yeah, I think it, for catalyst, but I think for the church, the global church in general, it's there's been that crying going on for a little a little while. We're in that season of trying to wake the world up and. I think you know more and more people are, but I think there's a lot of people that are still asleep.
2: Yeah, I when I when I think about it, I I feel like the waking up to in, in a in a grand scheme, it's the same, but for individuals, it could be different. Mm. I think there's areas of people's lives that we are more in tune or in alignment or awake, and there's other areas where it's hard for us or we don't want to. Um, look at those things or, or grow in our awareness of those things. And so, um, just as a whole, um, I think that's where it's important. Yeah. For us to do it all together. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, um, you know, I might have certain blind spots that I need to be awoken to, or, Hey, you gotta take a look at that, address that. And there's other things where I may be able to help somebody and say, Hey, I know you're, you're doing this, but take a look at this. And so, um, I'm glad as a church we could walk through that together.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that, or one of the reasons that I thought it would be appropriate for us to dive into this one a little bit deeper uh, as we start off this series is because I, th- I I, feel like there's been a shift in our culture where things um, that are not of God have become more blatant in our culture. And so there's been a shift where I feel like for us as believers and us as a church and then church as a global church, I feel like we're in a position where we need to actually stand for our faith. So I think it's very appropriate that we talk about this as a church, you know, going through this Elijah series about standing for our faith because I think there's been a shift where, you know, maybe in the past we might not have needed to stand for our faith as much because, you know, a lot of people feel like we live in a Christian nation or values are... You know, our nation was founded on Christian values, but the enemy has eroded a lot of that through our culture. And now we're in a new season where we really have to stand for our faith. So I do feel like there is an aspect for us, though some of us have been awake, some of us have not. Now's the time for us to all, as a community, to stand together, stand firm, and stand for our faith against a worldly culture.
1: Yeah, I think as we go into this series about Elijah, too, like, hearing some of his stories, it's pretty crazy, right? Like Ahab and Jezebel or King Ahab and his wife Jezebel were like, they were out for blood. Like they wanted to kill him and they were trying to kill all kinds of prophets that were speaking, anybody that would speak against them. Um, And so, but he was, he was really on his own. It was just him and God. But thinking of it like the way you were just describing Damon that, and Brett, I think you alluded to it as well that, you know, we're supposed to do it as a as a family or as a church unit, and if we do it that way, yeah, I mean we're standing against some pretty big social and just environmental things that are very negative and very um, anti God. But when we do it together and when we have each other's backs, that actually makes it. I mean, it makes it something that we can do right mm-hmm. and stand up because I thinking of thinking of taking on certain topics or certain. I don't know, moral issues by yourself can be very uh, overwhelming.
2: Yeah. I think the other thing that I've, I've um, personally had to kind of shift to is um, kind of building off what you're saying, Kyle, like it's easy when you think about standing firm, you automatically go against like, what am I standing against? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's natural, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I think it becomes so overwhelming. We forget what we're standing for, Mm -hmm. right? Like
1: or even maybe what you're standing on.
2: Yeah, what you're standing on, what you're standing for. Like, we know the the gospel message mm-hmm. and, and how Jesus has conquered death and sin. Mm-hmm. And we can't lose sight of that in, in itself, that that's what we're, we're standing on and, and what we have. It's not like we're just standing there out in the open with nothing. Although sometimes it may feel that way because of how big and daunting the thing we may be standing against how many people what's popular what's common it's easy to feel overwhelmed and seem like oh my gosh i don't think i could do that mm-hmm. but when you think about well okay what am i standing on what am i standing for G- jesus is is bigger than all of that and and it may not make it easier to do it but there should be some assurance in you that you're not just standing like you know to to get picked apart there's is, there's is somebody and something there, and especially when we stand together, there's people there that, you know, we're, we're standing there together, and, and mm-hmm. Jesus is there with you.
0: Yeah, and to piggyback off of what you are talking about, Brett, uh, knowing what our we're standing on, it's really appropriate that we're going through this series right after Easter, mm-hmm. right? Because we had just been encouraged by the Easter story and remembering Jesus' sacrifice, but then not only his sacrifice, but him raising from the dead, mm-hmm. right? And knowing that that's— The first fruits for us, Mm -hmm. that that's what God has in store for us. And, you know, as followers and as believers in in Christ. And so that is our foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, and Pastor Barry had alluded to it on Easter. It's like if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is meaningless. Right. So knowing that that's a good foundation for us to get started on this series where we're talking about standing for our faith and standing strong together. And one of the things, as we've been talking, that uh, I felt like came to mind was uh, when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was being tempted by the enemy, one of the temptations was the third one. It says, uh, this is Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And so I think recently the Lord highlighted this passage and said, how, did, how can the devil give Jesus authority over all the world unless the devil has authority on, on this earth, mm-hmm. right? And so if we're looking at it through that lens and looking at our culture as under the authority of the enemy, mm-hmm. then really what God is calling us to do is to stand against that authority. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus did, and that's how Jesus responded in that time. In that time, He said, you know, the word says, do not put the Lord to the test, right? So Jesus was standing against that, but I think that's part of our call too.
1: Yeah, when, when you were sharing, Brett, it, it just brought to mind, I like that you brought in that other side, like the positive, what are we standing on or for? But then it really it highlighted something Damon and I were talking about earlier too is then it really not I don't want to minimize it but a lot of it can come down to your thoughts mm-hmm. right like what what are what are you putting your thoughts on is it is it the negative are you focusing oh that looks unbearable or e- even you start taking that on because you're just like consumed with the negative stuff or are you actually then able to shift your mind to more of Hey, what's God doing? What's what's the positive side of even something that's difficult? What's what? What can I find that that's positive so that I don't have to like mm. pull myself down?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kyle, you were sharing a story about uh, an interaction that you had recently with uh, your son in regards to some of his thoughts. Do you, would you like to share that story?
1: Um, yeah, because he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I got freedom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's um, I I I went through my own journey of being very much an internal processor um, and kind of just just struggling with thoughts and taking places taking things to places that I shouldn't have like to the worst possible out, outcome the scenario the I was I was the king of what ifs like well what if this what if that and I could just go down those rabbit holes for days and it's interesting like being able to overcome some of that and then seeing my son go through it, and so the the difference is he's very external processor, so his stuff just comes out, and so it's it's interesting. <laughs> but at least it's he's not bottling it up, so we could actually process it together. But yeah, he's he's have he's in a situation right now where he's having to overcome his doubts. He's over having to overcome fear, and and by to. In order for him to do that, he's having to take in truth, and that's from other people. What other people are observing, other people are seeing in him, and how he's acting. It's he's uh, it's his first job, and so it's. But it's it's been an overwhelming, uh, or parts of it have been overwhelming for him. But I'm also seeing him take steps where he's learning how to basically take control of his thoughts. Mm. And instead of letting them wipe away all of the good and the, the, reinf- the positive reinforcement and um, actually it's, it's, I'll share this part too. I, I actually was trying to help him process and I said, okay, in this situation that, at this, this task, this job you're doing, um, ask God like where he is in that or mm-hmm. how do you see him? And he's, it was cool because then he, he processed for a little bit and he goes, oh, I see him right next to me while I'm doing that job. And I said, see, that's what you have. That's those are the kind of truths you need to hold on to because when those lies are, I'm not good enough, I made a mistake, I'm, whatever comes in, God's right there with you. He's got your back, and it's okay. You might make mistakes. You might have this or that, but yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey to be on the other side of it, where I had processed it myself, and now I'm helping, especially someone so close to me that I I don't want to see them get stuck in it for as long as I was, and for even as deep, but it's just, um, uh, yeah, it's been, but it's been really eye-opening to me to see how much our thoughts really affect our, our future, our, our direction.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that brings to mind the passage that you shared at the beginning, the Romans 12 passage, mm. right? It's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So sometimes we need to renew our mind and that's going to transform our experience. Right. And so, uh, we, sometimes we just need to recognize when some of these voices or some of these thoughts are not from the Lord and we need to be renewed. And that's where, you know, reading our Bible, knowing the things that he says can help. And that can, trans tra- uh, sorry, that can transform our experience.
2: Yeah. I, I think coupled with that too, just as you're sharing your story, Kyle and, um, you know, I know you've gotten to share with me a, a couple times. It's, it's interesting because even though it, there was a lot of good and, and, and he was doing well in that mm-hmm. opportunity, mm-hmm. it still felt overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? So even there was success mm-hmm. and not just seen by himself, but like other people, it's still our inner thoughts or things that we're feeling. And w- when I think about Elijah and standing firm and, um, it kind of makes me think like, what does it take to do that? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that require? And I I think when we think of people in the Bible, like I I think of David versus Goliath, right? That's Mm -hmm. a common, Mm -hmm. people say, oh, I wish I could be like David, right? Mm -hmm. I want to overcome giants, right? You hear about other stories. I wish I could be like this, or I wish I had the confidence. I wish I had the boldness, Mm -hmm. right? I think of standing firm, you need to be bold. You need to be strong. You need to have confidence, and, and I think coupled with our thoughts and, and reframing our mind to, to look at those things, the only way you get bold or you become confident or you're able to, to see and, and see your thoughts play out in the positive versus the negative is you need opportunities to do it too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So like standing firm, you're not going to just be able to stand firm if you never stand for something that there's opposition. Right, right. Right? We, we talked about resiliency with our set. Like, you're not going to become resilient if there's not an opportunity. You right. don't, if everything's all good and easy, Right. you don't need to be resilient, right? And so for us as, as believers, I think also looking at this idea of standing firm in the positive light of like, oh, it's because I, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something for God's kingdom. Like, that's the opportunity mm-hmm. Instead of just like, I have to be against this and I have to be, sometimes I think it could be hard because if you have friends or you have loved ones that you're like, that's going to make me disagree with them. That's going to make me stand up op- opposing to them. Well, it, it's more like, well, okay, if I want the boldness, the confidence, then this, this is how I'm going to get it. This is how I'm going to do it. And, um, it just makes, I was just thinking of it when you are when you're sharing that story that like sometimes we want and we ask for these things but the only way that we're able to 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 receive it and step into it is if we're able to, to actually do it and and live it out and so um, I'm hoping that in this series we we can all find ways that okay no maybe I, I can take a stand here and then you experience God's faith and, and, and giving you that strength or boldness and confidence. And I think it makes it easier to then stand firm and to kind of stick out if it's, um, not with the crowd or against the world.
1: Yeah. I think one, one thing I I told Eli early on in this journey is I'm not, I'm not here to let you quit Mm. and to, and you're going to, you're going to thank me later. Mm. It's, you're not gonna appreciate it right now, but you're gonna look back and go like, "I'm glad he didn't let me quit." But I also was like, "I'm gonna walk with you." Mm. So I I know, like, yeah, we can get in the Word, we can be connected with the Lord, but sometimes we need other people to speak into us mm. and to like walk alongside us and and help us through. Um, so that that's on that story. But then I I also thought as you were sharing too, sometimes like those the David's and the Elijahs. It's like, oh, I can never be like that, mm. right? And it's it's because we see where they're at, and it's like, oh, that's too far of a leap. But it really ties in with what you were saying. It's really just take take the next little step. Mm. Like, how can I be bold and how can I stand firm in something small? Because mm-hmm. you do it in a small thing, then it'll build. Like, oh yeah, it gives you confidence. Oh, I can do it more. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna go fight a lion like David. Just <laughs> you know, he had a. He probably had to fight off. Wolves are, you know, smaller creatures first, and yeah. then, you know, it's like you you don't just take that leap. And sometimes I think as Christians, when we're on that journey and we see somebody farther ahead of us, we get discouraged because mm-hmm. we're like, "Oh, I can never be like that," and we forget that that person was in somewhat like your shoes. You know, they had to grow in their stature and their their connection with the Lord too. And some go faster than others, but we all have to get on that journey. So, in this series, I I don't want to lose sight that we're not calling everybody to be Elijah's. We're not all at that place right now, mm. but we we want to be on that journey to be like, like that. And mm. we want to be, you know, be made into disciples.
0: Yeah. So as we're starting to head towards the end of this episode, one of the things, the terms that I feel like we're going to be talking about a lot, and we, m- we might've talked about it a little bit previously is the term counterculture and what that actually looks like. Mm. And so one of the things that I, I thought we could flesh out a little bit is like where is actually where does it seem like our culture is heading? Mm. You know, and is that an actually an appealing direction for us to say we want to go with culture? Because if we're gonna live counterculturally, I think there is some appeal for people to live in line with culture. So what directions do you guys feel like culture is heading right now, or what what have you guys been noticing?
2: I feel like one thing that I I have seen and felt is there's almost like this acceptance of everything Mm -hmm. where it's just like you can almost finagle your way into explaining how this is okay or this should be okay. Mm -hmm. Even if you're like, (laughs) well, (laughs) I mean, for me, I'm like, I don't think that should be okay, but because people don't want to get canceled or offend a certain group of people or come off as insensitive or whatever, it's like, everything is like justified in in a weird way. And so then it makes it seem like it's like everything. Well, in my eyes, it it feels like there isn't uh, an importance on like certain morals and certain things because it's like, well, even though this may cross the line of that moral, because it might hurt somebody's feelings or offend somebody that outweighs the morality of something. And so it's like
1: you kind of enable that person to keep going because you don't want to. Yeah.
2: It's like just this general acceptance of just like, okay, everything's okay.
1: It's relativism. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's like, um, I don't think everything is okay, but yeah, that's one thing I've noticed a lot.
1: (laughs) I feel like me and Brett have been talking a lot. So I'm like trying (laughs) to point to Damien. He's like, no, you,
0: well, I want to give you a chance to share before I like (laughs) dive in on it.
1: Uh, well, I'm not sure what you're going to dive in completely on, but um, for me, and one thing that one thing that I, I wrestle with is hearing people that recognize some of the the negative parts of culture, but they can't separate from it. Mm. And one for me, one thing is social media. Mm. Like, I'm not big on social media, like, so I, I it's not as much of a um, something I'd have to like disconnect from but i hear people talk about oh it's so bad for our mental health especially our kids and this and that but are we preventing our kids from getting on it then Mm. because then i you know I, i have that thought and then you but then you hear people well that's just our society that's just what they use and that's just they they have to have that i'm like okay but if we see something that's that bad and we see that it's all these negatives but then we're just agreeing with our with the world then like but that's just the way the world's going. Like, Well, I think that's when we're supposed to, s- to stand up and be counterculture in some of those. Mm. And not that you can't use that stuff, but if, you, if you're if you having trouble and it's bringing that negative aspect, then, okay, then you have to get to a place where you, when you re-engage with it, you have to be in a, pl- a better place so that you can handle it in a healthy way mm. instead of letting that thing just tear you down because you feel obligated to participate with it.
0: Yeah, kind of to piggyback on that, for me, one of the things that I've been recognizing is, you know, there's been a big focus on mental health recently, which I think, you know, it's good to recognize when we're not in a good place mentally. But I think a lot of the things that culture is leading towards, it seems like it's leading towards more depression, anxiety, stress, more of these things. and kind of like you were sharing, Kyle, it's like, you know, social media can be a source of that. Not to say that it is, mm-hmm. but yeah. there are aspects of it that can be a source of some of those things. And for some of us, we need to recognize that. But, you know, if our culture is heading down towards a place where, you know, there's judgmentalism, there is uh, depression, anxiety, rise in suicide, right? you know, to me, those seem like really negative things. And so do we want to be people that are just, kind of like you shared cause like feeling defeated and like this is just the way that it's mm. going to go or what i believe is that god is calling us to live counterculture to that and experience more life, more love, more joy, more peace, more patience and really to flourish in those times and what when we are are doing that that's actually inviting to other people mm. that are not experiencing that. And so, you know, that's why we call this podcast Engage to Flourish because we want people to be able to experience the countercultural lifestyle of flourishing. Mm. You know, and it really brought to mind a verse from Matthew chapter 7. And uh, this is seven thirteen and 14. And it says this. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And I really feel like that's what God is calling us to, is that he wants us to experience more life. And we, as we look around our world, as we look around our country, it just seems like so many of the, the ways that culture is moving towards is destruction. And not necessarily like eternal destruction, but just destruction in general, right? Like we hear the news, it just always feels like there's bad news. And it also doesn't feel like culture and the world really has a good place or way to rectify it either, right? We look at... Now, there's all these athletes that are getting paid millions of dollars. They're treated the best and they're struggling with mental health at the same time, right? So, it's, the way that the world would prescribe as the solution, right? Get famous, get rich, get this, get that. Well, that's not helping either. Mm. And for us, we recognize when we have our foundation in Christ, that's when we can really live counterculturally in that way.
1: Well, it's kind of funny because that actually ties in with the <clears throat> the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, the part you shared, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's because there's somebody else that's overseeing this world, and they have a different agenda. And so then that's why the way of the world is going to bring out that kind of stuff.
2: One thing uh, that, I, I mean, I don't know how much more you guys have to, to share or or planning <laughs> on going, but one thing that I I, f- I feel like was, was brought to mind for me is, I, I've I've been fortunate to talk to, to both of you, and I think in in this past year, um, it's helped me grow and expand my, um, perspective and um, just challenging in my own thoughts and 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 finding m- myself and where I stand and the things that I need to do. You guys have haven't been like you have to do this or you need to do this, but you've been very open and just sharing with me and answering my questions. And so, I actually feel like it might be good and just throwing you guys on the spot. (laughs) But what's one way, like a practical one way, if we're talking about those steps to be countercultural, we may not be where Elijah is and we're just starting this series, but what's one way that each of you have felt like you've been able to, or recognize certain things in your life that it's like, maybe I need to take a step there to take a stand or a small thing that you recognize where it's like, oh, maybe I need to, do this because that'll help me stand against culture in, in, in this negative way. Right. And I could give you guys some time to think. Um,
1: (laughs) I got, I got one I'll share, um, and then give you some time to think, but well, the one I I can think of right now is actually just, uh, in parenting. Mm. So with, with Eli, he just got his phone because of this new job thing. Oh, nice. He's been telling me he's been wanting a phone (laughs) in class. Um, but we we were gonna wait till his first year in high school, but we got it to him. got Got it for communication purposes, but it's hard in the sense that we are going counterculture, and it's a very dumb smartphone. Mm. Like he's got a couple of apps on there, no internet, and just it's it's meant to be for communication, and Mm -hmm. we want him to ease himself into how to handle it well. And so, you know, he, he'll ask for my phone cause he wants to look at something or do this or that. And that's fine. So we can still kind of help him, um, manage some of his, you know, internet usage or whatever. But it's, it's hard because I know for him, it's, he's being counterculture and he's not even choosing it. Right. Mm. But his, his friends have this or that, and they've had phones for a long time. He was the last one, I think in his class to get a phone mm. and, um, and I know for him, he he shared like it was hard, and I and we explained why, and he un- he understood it, yet he struggled with it, and mm. so that's not hard and not easy as a parent. But we also did hear from other parents like, oh, I wish I would have waited. I wish. So we hear at the other side where parents maybe gave too early and maybe didn't have good boundaries, and they wish they could have red- redone it. Mm. So we're in that tension of okay, when is when is it healthy? When is it? you know, being over, overbearing or whatever. Um, but that's one way of us trying to help our kids be counterculture and just Mm. to try to be as counterculture as a parent. So, yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know if this is necessarily an answer to your question because I don't know if it was practically a lot of my choices, but, uh, let me give a little context, you know, so growing up in a Japanese American household, um, one of the things that stood out to me was when I first started junior high, and I, I was a new school, new school district, knew everything, and I was nervous. And I remember talking to my dad and saying, hey, dad, you know, like I'm nervous for the first day of school. I don't know what to do. And, you know, in a typical Japanese-American father response, he said, just fit in. Just try to fit in. Do whatever <laughs> you can to fit in, and don't stand out, and you'll be okay. right?" And so that, for me, it was like that was – Kind of how I was raised, try to fit in, try to, you know, like we're talking about, go with the flow, go with the, you know, but there were certain things that I couldn't just, I couldn't do that. Like, mm. right? Like, when you grow up with the name Damon, it's mm. kind of unusual, especially, I mean, now it's a little bit more common than when I was little, but, you know, growing up with the name Damon, I remember. When I was, I'm sure, as young as second, third grade, walking around the classroom, looking at all the name tags on the lockers and seeing, you know, Daniel, John, Eric, and thinking, why couldn't I have a normal name? People can't even say my name because it's so unusual. You know, I I used to get Damien a lot. or Damon. Yeah, that. (laughs) I mean, I was a little rambunctious as a kid. So, you know, some of the teachers would call me Demon and stuff. Oh, dang. Like... And that was something I couldn't personally change, right? So Mm -hmm. I think in that sense, I've always stood out in some way, right? And so I think even with that, having to live with that every day Mm. and having to wrestle with that every day and having to be okay with that every day, I think that has prepared me to stand out in in certain ways. Mm. So there's certain areas where I feel like I've had to stand out and stand for my faith or stand for something where it's not unusual for me because I've already wrestled with some of those things of like, what does it mean to stand out? What does it mean to be different? Even if it's just from my name, right. And, or having, hearing people mispronounce my name every single time. I was like, why could not I have a name? Like that is really easy to, why couldn't I be named Brett? And you know, no,
2: you'd be surprised. <laughs> Brett gets messed up a lot too. And and is weird for a little Asian boy.
0: So, so anyway, I, I think one of the things for me is just really any type of change, any type of ways that we're trying to make life changes, don't look at the big ones. What is the smallest change that you can make? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, one person that I heard talk about making changes, they were talking about, you know, how to incorporate more exercise in, in their life, mm-hmm. right? And so they were, they were saying, I want to be able to lift this amount, amount of weight i want to be able to work out this and so they would every year you know it's like new year's resolutions they would try to do these big things and then after a couple weeks they'd fail so one year they tried something new they said okay my every day i'm gonna do one push-up i'm just i'm just gonna do one push-up right and so they would they would do their one push-up and then after a couple days it was kind of like oh i'm i'm down here i that was easy i could do two push-ups and then you know But every day, whether they felt like it or not, they would just do one push-up at the minimum. And really what that did is that built in something sustainable for them that they were able to continue on, and then they were able to reach some of their goals because of that one little little change. So I think for us, if we're looking at standing firm or standing strong, just take that one little step. It doesn't have to be like, I have to go out and stand on a table and proclaim the gospel in front of everyone. But what is the one little thing that we can do to stand for, for ourselves or for our faith? Mm.
2: Yeah. I, I, Kyle, you talked about social media that I think that was the thing for me. Mm. And it wasn't so much that it was making me depressed or I was getting into this weird space. It was just like some of the stuff that I was seeing or would come up that I didn't choose. Mm. It, it just hit me like, I don't need to be looking at this. Mm. You know, some of it started getting real, like, just inappropriate or just there's crazy stuff mm-hmm. that that can be seen. And it's not all bad. The right? Clippers
0: winning is not crazy stuff, Brett. <laughs> That's normal nowadays. <laughs> Clippers beating Lakers is not crazy stuff.
2: <laughs> That's not what I was looking for, Damon. Um, <laughs> he, he blocked that stuff. Yeah, it was just like, you know, you get filled with all kinds of stuff that people are posting. And it was just like, I don't need to... Like you said, your thoughts, I don't need to fill my headspace with some of that stuff. Mm. And not that it had control over me. It's just, I don't, I don't need it. This is not alignment with God. And so, um, some of my friends had taken a break from certain social media. So I was like, oh, I I think I'm going to do that. Um, it's been a while now. And initially, you know, you get a little bit of that withdrawal, Mm -hmm. but even that small step of just saying, I'm going to take a break from it. I don't need to look at it sooner than i knew it like i don't feel the need to even get back on completely Mm -hmm. um it is nice you know every now and then i'll see something or somebody will show me something and that's not an issue Mm -hmm. but just the the desire to scroll or to look through things or even just be fed things that i'm not even looking for it it's been um a lot more clear in in my mind Mm -hmm. not cluttered or clouded and Um, you know, in that small way, I do think that's a way that I am um, taking a stand and and, um, standing firm is I feel like that doesn't align. A lot of the things I was saying doesn't align with God. Okay, so I'm going to stand firm and stand on the things that do align with God. And so um, that's one thing. The time that I Replaced with that, maybe another thing that I'm gonna have to address <laughs> <laughs> to make sure it aligns with God. But I, I think, like you guys are saying, that yeah. for me, that was one small step. That was mm-hmm. a first step of recognizing something and doing something about it and asking God. And yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I do want to clarify with social media. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's all bad. It can for be. Sure. A, it can be an awesome tool. It could be a way to connect with people and actually be a positive influence. But it can also so easily and so quickly lead you in bad places and just Mm -hmm. bad mental places, bad time places. And
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're saying we need to live in the tension between all the way in or all the way out.
1: (laughs) Um, I think it's, it's really about boundaries, right? It's about knowing what you can handle and what you can't and knowing, even like recognizing when it's becoming an issue Mm -hmm. because it can, it can happen fast. I mean, so the one I have a Facebook, I get on every once in a while. And it, that thing with that, what's it called? The, bottomless scrolling or um, doom scrolling, whatever. It's just that there's, Oh, what's
0: next? What's next? Yeah. And it's
1: like, and I don't get on there very often, but I, I see like how addicting that is. And I'm like, Oh, just a little bit more. And then it's like 20 minutes later. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I, I got to stop. And that, but that's like, Oh, so that, I, so I, I only get on there once or twice a week or whatever. So, but if I know that's one of my weaknesses, so that if, if, if I'm on there, I got to be careful and make sure I'm, I'm not on there too long. So, mm.
0: Yeah, I was just trying to make another messy grace reference, that's all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Good job.
0: (laughs) So as we wrap up, you know, really, uh, for all of our listeners out there, one of the take-homes that we want to leave you with is that when we're saying we want—we feel like the Lord is calling us to live counterculturally. really the reason is because He wants us to experience more life, more love, more joy, more peace, Mm. and the enemy who— has authority over our culture, wants the opposite for us. Mm. And so for us to live counterculturally, it's for us to experience those things. Experience the life and love mm. and joy and peace and patience that that God has for us. Mm. So until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.